G'day, I'm Mitchell Davis, and welcome to episode one of the Hallway Track podcast. I want to start the show by thanking you. The reception to the trailer episode has been fantastic, with so many Laravel folks from all over the world reaching out to get on the mic, and I'm really excited to have as many guests on as I can. For our first episode, we're starting off with a bang, and I'm so glad to have James Brooks, Laravel core team member and prolific product releaser, and Greg Skernan, head of software engineering at iSeq Plan, Australia's number one construction hire marketplace, joining me for a chat. Enjoy. So, guys, can you please say hello and introduce yourselves? Uh, James? Hi, I'm James Brooks, software engineer at Laravel. Greg? Hi, I'm Greg Skerman, uh, director of technology at iseekplant.com.au. And I am Mitchell Davis. I'm the founder of two businesses, uh, Atlas Software, we're a Laravel development agency, and RecruitKit, which is a SaaS product for recruitment agencies and large employers to help them onboard new employees quickly and efficiently at scale. So I thought I might kick things off today by talking about podcasting. I've been a listener of podcasts for years now. The first one that got me hooked was the first season of Serial, uh, probably like eight, nine years ago. Uh, I've never looked back since. For the last few years, I've wanted to start a show of my own, but I could never get over the awkwardness of recording solo, sitting in a room and just talking to a mic and like hoping that it was interesting. So I'm really glad to finally get this show up and running where I'm talking to interesting people about interesting things. I'm so stoked to have you guys both on for the first episode. Um, So James, you were running the Happy Dev podcast for a while there. How did you find it? Uh, Hard. Like incredibly rewarding, but very hard. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Happy Dev is a mental health podcast where I speak to software developers about their experiences with uh, mental health and related things. Um, and I started that. I mean, this is a really good way to get started, Mitchell, because this is quite deep. But my uh, brother died in 2018. Uh, and so I, ca- I kind of wanted to put all of this like build up of energy and emotion into something um, whilst helping other people. So I started Happy Dev and I had, I think it was 11 episodes. Um, I had been recording more than COVID happened and kind of in hindsight, it was the wrong decision, but I felt like at the time people had enough going on as it was. Um, So I kind of stopped recording them and I keep saying I'm going to record more. I will. It's very high on my list of things to do, but just it, uh, as you know, uh, recording podcasts takes a lot of time, uh, especially editing. And uh, people share on Happy Dev, they share quite uh, like some heavy things. And so hearing that back and listening back and trying to edit it so it sounds right and it tells the true story of what somebody's trying to share, that's quite a lot of work. Yep. Um, but yeah, I do want to get back to it. Totally. I think that people would want to hear it. Um, even just hearing you describe that now, it's like, yeah, that sounds like a really worthwhile uh, show to have back out there, you know, in the public voice. Because I guess like the goal of this show is more to just talk, I guess, mostly around technology and, and the business side of things. But it is really important, uh, you know, to hear mental health and what people are going through. So hopefully you do. Hopefully this spurs you on uh yeah. to, to get the show back up and running mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I uh, I definitely want to do it. I, the the amount of people that reached out to me since in like the last two years and have asked me if I'm going to redo it, um, kind of says a lot about how important it is to people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Greg, what about you? Uh, what's your exposure with podcasts? Yeah, I I listen to a few. I, I guess I'm an infrequent listener. Um, I see something come up on. On Twitter and uh, click on it. I am really enjoying Aaron Francis's current podcast, which is, um, I love that video, that super cut that got put together. <laughs> Justin's one. Of Aaron and Ian. That was hilarious. This, like, um, yeah, uh, if, if you're listening, Aaron, you are, you are definitely George. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> um, let's see how he feels about that. Yeah. Oh, he's already roasted me on Twitter. <laughs> calling it that was before, so probably won't hear the end of it. Um, but yeah, I, I've, uh, I've, I've been a guest on exactly one podcast. So, um, one of, I don't know if he's still running it actually, um, but and Aaron had, a, had, or has a podcast for his own business, um, called the Hammerstone podcast. It was one of these podcasts that talks about sort of building in public and, and story of, of the, the, the weekly, um, uh, yep. work of, of building a company. Uh, and I, uh, it was around the time that, um, not long after he had released um, the the Laravel Sidecar project, which is sort of a, a way of running uh, lambdas from within Laravel, uh, as opposed to running Laravel in a lambda, which is what Vapor does. Um, and and we leveraged it for um, a server side rendering requirement that we had uh, using Inertia. Um, and and both Aaron and I were sort of in the Inertia Insiders group. Um, through sponsorship when that happened. And I think because we were 10 hours ahead of the U S we beat him to the punch and, um, he reached out to me. (laughs) Yeah. And he he reached out because he had, I mean, at that time, I don't think anyone had ever heard of me or the company I work for outside of Australia. Uh, And he's like, who the hell are you? (laughs) Um, so I ended up on a podcast with him to sort of talk through, talk through that journey. That was I hate the fun and I've been trying for ages to get an invite into another podcast since, but, um, yeah, busy with life, busy with, I think around the time it was sort of 2021. So peak COVID season and everything was busy and crazy everywhere. Um, and yeah, just this opportunity came up. So thanks for That's it. You've made it. it on. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> it's great. I'm stoked with the, um, with the reception so far. Like I've had, I think. 10 or 12 people fill out the application form in like a week, which is a lot for me um, going from like no followers to now I've got 50 followers on Twitter and it's like, oh my God, this thing's going nuts. Like it, it's been hard to organize everyone and, and wrangle everything. I, I had a false start yesterday, was meant to be the first episode and uh, I was speaking with someone in another time zone and uh, I got the time zones wrong. And so that meant that the recording timeline for the two people I was speaking with didn't work. So uh, that's been postponed now. So there's a lot that I'm learning uh, of how how to do this. But um, I did listen to that episode uh, that you did with Aaron. And I remember I was walking my dog at the time. I could remember like the exact spot on the route that I take my dog that I was listening. And I was like, this is really cool. And this guy sounds Australian, you know, and then like, yeah, I, I did a bit of research into it and we actually started using it as well on, on one of the projects that we have, but, um, uh, yeah. using sidecar and then, um, 
Inertia's sort of taken that even further now, right? That became like there's now a story for server-side rendering in Inertia, right? Yeah. So like um, we, the Inertia story for server-side rendering um, sort of came out a little bit after Sidecar. I think Sidecar on its own doesn't do the server-side rendering. Like there's a there's some stuff that needs to bolt together uh, in the Inertia piece to make that happen. But at the time, the and to be honest, we're, we are not like right up on the bleeding edge of inertia at the moment, so I don't know whether or not the story's changed. Um, but uh, at the time, I think the, the initial release was going to be that you were going to run a separate node server that would do the server-side rendering piece and it would pass the, the, the um, sort of compile HTML back to your, uh, sort, of, sort of back to the inertia render function, which would then return it over the wire. Um, and that is really cool and would work if you had nailed up servers, but we were already so deep on Vapor and we're like, we, like how, how are you going to run a node server in Vapor when you've got a 15 minute execution time? So I think our initial pass at it, and it probably hasn't changed much in two and a half years to be honest, our initial pass at it was to take the express server um, that uh, was doing that uh, on, on, an, on a node server and sort of take the middle of that out and drop it into into Sidecar and it, it just kind of works. Um, uh, big hand wavy on the web the webpack stuff is still like it's still open up while to this day and go i have no idea what the hell's going on here like webpack is a complete and utter mystery if someone wants to explain it to me like i'm five i'd really appreciate it mate i don't think anyone has any idea anymore it's uh yeah it's a beast yeah totally so on the point of uh vapor james i remember we were chatting at laricon and i don't know if you remember but i mentioned that yeah my preference between uh, Forge and Vapor is Vapor. And we were having a conversation sitting out in the like courtyard area at the front of Laravel. And I was alone with that opinion. Everyone else in this group of like five or six of us was like, oh, I love Forge. I love Forge. And you like, you looked at me and you're like, I'll try not to take it personally. I just thought that was funny. Uh, I did say that, Mitch. Yeah. Like, you're going to fire it. Again? Again. <laughs> There's, there's a bit of a history there, but um, yeah. So, so James, in your day-to-day work, you're mostly focused on Forge. Is that yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What does that look like to be working on that on the inside? Like, I know you, you did touch on this a little at Laracon Australia, but for people that weren't there, like, what's the day-to-day? What's a day in the life? You know, of working on. Are you pri- are you only working on Forge? Or are you working on some of the other tools? Uh, I do work on Envoy as well, uh, which doesn't take as much time. It's quite a stable product, um, limited in scope as well. So that makes it a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, Forge is my like primary uh, time. I have recently started uh, looking into Pulse with Tim and Jess, helping out a bit with that as well. Uh, so yeah, a, a day in the life of Forge is kind of, so it, for backstory, we work on um, like a, a monthly or six-week sprint of, of tasks that we're going to do. Um, so we can suggest things to Taylor that we think we should be working on, or he will kind of pick out items from the backlog. And then, yeah, it's, it's not as, um, I don't know what the word is, but I, I feel like people have this big expectation that like it's just... Forge's um, finely crafted piece of software and that 
uh, magic. people can't. Uh, yeah, it's just magic. Which, to be fair, there is some magic, like the way we connect to servers and stuff, um, and juggle all of that. Uh, but yeah, it's a very typical Laravel application. So, yeah, features are quite easy to build. We ha- we've got a very solid framework uh, and infrastructure for doing so. Um, but yeah, so we only have uh, myself, Tim, and. That's really it. Like me and Tim uh, work on Forge. Uh, obviously, Tim does a lot of things with the framework as well. So yeah, sure. Between us, we need to be like very full stack. We do a lot of front end changes, a lot of back end. And one of the um, unique positions that we're in is that the uh, engineering staff are also the support staff. Um, although we have Gus as well that works full time and Mohammed. Um, doing support, we're also able to jump in and help out, and we can be assigned tickets that are that that require engineering knowledge. I guess. Yeah, totally. That's pretty unique. There's not many places out there that like many products where your engineers are your support. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I dig it. I think it's I think it's great. Like the number of times, like I, I deal with a lot of vendors, and the number of times that I'm speaking three levels away from the person who maintains it. And I'm like, if you could just get the guy who wrote the thing yeah. in a room for 30 seconds, we would, yep. instead of going to play telephone with like <laughs> this massive bureaucracy, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's the other way to go personally. Yeah. It's definitely, um, I, personally, I think it's, I think it works really well, especially with such a small team. Uh, behind these products. And, and we have so many products as well, that if we were to hire um, support stuff for each product and like a big team of them we'd be so far removed from the product itself that it'd be kind of hard to really know what direction we should be going in um but yeah even though uh, we have support engineers they could just message us on slack they can assign a ticket to us and we could just pick it up straight away um and some of the best ideas come from the customers themselves or kind of like a spin-off of their suggestion yeah, sure. I don't know if that really answers the question, though, Mitchell. But no, it does. Yeah, I think that that absolutely that covers it. Um, Greg, what about you? What's a what's a day in the life? Um, well, I'm a I'm probably way less interesting these days for like engineers because I like climbed the corporate ladder a little bit. <laughs> um, so I run a team. I run an, an engine, a whole engineering department that I support. It sounds very grandiose. There's eight of us in the team at the moment, so a relatively small team. I do a lot of the sort of people management side of things, so interviews and hiring, one-on-ones, career development plans, those kinds of things. Um, that that um, that takes up a, a reasonable amount of my time. I also work very closely with product in the business on what the product roadmap looks like to, to, to effectively align the technical strategy to the product and business strategy so that, you know, um, when we're looking six months down the line at what direction we might be trying to aim the business in, that we're trying to make technical choices that um, allow us to execute that effectively uh, and efficiently. Um, I still do get on the tools occasionally. I think uh, I'm a firm believer that people who manage engineers have to have at least had a career in engineering and need to keep the tool sharp because engineers yep. just do not trust people who can't code. They'll see right they through you. Not- Having been an engineer with managers who couldn't code, I'm like, why am I even listening to you sometimes? So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I do try and keep the, yeah, I do try and keep the edge, like, 
home to where I can. I, I stay pretty across what's going on across our, our tech stack and tool chain. Um, and, and sometimes that's good for the team because I can kind of have one eye on like what's next uh, in terms of what's coming down the, the, the pipe from a technical point of view. Like um, we're not in a position right now to adopt something like React server components where, where the, the Laravel inertia React, what's like the real stuff? So, but I'm kind of looking at React server components because I think there's potentially some interesting things that we could do um, with that in the future. But well, it's probably 12 months away before there's a decent, stable solution for everybody in the React ecosystem to adopt it. But, um, and it's a big topic. So having some capacity to look at what um, the technical landscape's going to look for us. We have a lot of customers and we have, you know, it's public facing sort of application. We, our customers aren't developers. So I think when you've got product where customers are developers, they'll probably forgive you maybe, for, I don't know, James might have a different opinion, but they might forgive you for, um, adopting things early and taking some risks in that space. Um, that people aren't technically inclined that that's often, you often have to be a little bit further back from the bleeding edge. So yeah, uh, keeping an eye on that kind of stuff. I also look after all of our um, infrastructure. We, I've, I've got a, a guy on my team who um, who does the infrastructure of code stuff for us, but sort of looking at budgeting for how much our AWS bill is going to be. And sure. um, we have some other very big vendors that we have to keep an eye on. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. So I guess there's a split between the sort of people management and architecture and strategy is kind of where I sit. And then occasionally I will fix a bug and really irritate my team because I'm not because I'm not always in there. I sometimes are. Yeah, sure. I sometimes do more, more harm than good. <laughs> I can imagine that happens with me sometimes. Um, we're only a very small team comparatively. We're uh, we're a team of two, and Chris, uh, the guy that works with me, he's really good and he's very like detail oriented. Make sure that he's going through and like, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's on everything. And then sometimes I can come in and I'm like, no, 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 okay, let's just do this. You know, I can be a bit brash and, and, and brazen. Um, so yeah, uh, not exactly the same, but I can, I can see where you're coming from with that. So James, I, I mentioned in the intro, you are, what did I say? Prolific product releaser. You've got a lot of like things that you've done and put out there. So I've got here Check Mango, Cache, and Style CI are some of the big ones. Are there any that I've missed and that you want to? Yeah, the Laravel Artisan Cheat Sheet, uh, Artisan.page. Uh, what else? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I kind of maintain this uh, like micro app for Polestar. Well, not for them directly, but last year I bought a Polestar, uh, which is a electric car. And I wanted a specific configuration and they have these like pre-configured cars that you can buy where you don't need to wait as long for them to arrive. So I scraped their GraphQL API, stored them all in a database and then notified me when my specific configuration became available. Um, you are a nerd, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Proud. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mentioned it to somebody and they said, oh, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, can I put my email in? And I was like, ah, well, kind of got to make a, got to make that an app then, haven't I? And I got a, I also have a, <laughs> this is top net level. I uh, have a <laughs> referral link for Polestars. If there's anything you need to know about me, it's that I love a referral. 
Um, uh, even if I get nothing from it, if I can refer somebody to something that I use and believe in, I feel good about myself. I think that was the first time you and I had an interaction, actually. Uh, yeah, probably. We, we had a telegram group, we have a telegram group for the, for the Laracon speakers. And I was looking for something, which unfortunately I couldn't pull off in time. And uh, yeah, uh, I think Jess Archer beat you beat you by like 30 seconds and you got really angry yeah. that she had the referral link and you didn't have it. I followed up with it though, just in case. <laughs> so my, my Polestar referral link did convert into somebody actually buying a, a, a car through me, through my app. Um, and Polestar sent me a very nice, very smart hoodie, which... Hey, which is, that's not bad. That's good. <laughs> Uh, anything else that I built? Um, oh man, there's been so many apps over the years, but none really related to our industry now. Um, well, it's certainly quite a list. But yeah, um, I, I would caveat that with um, not so successful prolific product launcher. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's things out there. Absolutely. I want to talk about cache. Was it, am, am I saying that right? Cache? That's how I pronounce it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, we can be wrong together if, if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was the process like? Because you sold it a while mm -hmm. ago, years ago now, and then you brought yeah. you bought it back. Yeah. Uh, how's that been? What's been the, the process? What went into deciding to buy it back? Um, and then yep. how's it going now? Okay, so I think I started Cache in 2014. Uh, it's a status page, open source status page system used by Fortune 500 companies all around the world. Um, and I attribute Cache to me having any sort of personality in our industry, any sort of social media thing. That's really what kind of people knew me for back then. And then in 2018, I think it was, I sold it to a company. 2018 being the year that my brother died and my first daughter was born. So it was a, a very, very, very busy and emotionally difficult time for me. And that was one thing that I didn't need anymore was just, I, I need to clear my plate. I've got two big things going on. Um, so I'll also start a podcast, but, uh, I, yeah, I sold it and then they kind of did nothing with it. It just kind of flagged and got old, unmaintained. And then I've ever since I sold it, I, like part of me regretted it because I had such big plans, but I just wasn't able, oh, I wasn't in the place to really be able to pull them up. And then I reached out to the company and, and was like, look, you've not done anything with it. Do you have any plans to do anything? They said no. So I was like, well, if I can buy it back then, like name me price. They did. And yeah, I bought that back. So version, so it's currently a version 2.4, but I'm working on version three. A Laravel partner and agency called Jump24 have very kindly redesigned it for me. So I'm awesome. in the process of getting that implemented. I am looking for volunteers to help out with that because there's a, a lot to do. Um, but I've also kind of changed how I'm working the project as well. So at the moment, Cache is a standalone application, provides a status page. But with version three, you'll be able to install it into an existing application or still continue to run it as a as a standalone, which is how I recommend a status page should be. You don't want to have it like linked to your actual application. Yeah. But yeah, it it it's slow. I have a lot going on still now. But yeah, I, I 
it's crazy to me how much cache still gets used. It's been installed like hundreds of thousands of times. And yeah, people people love it, still use it, and I hope to do it some justice soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good on you for, for getting it back and, and having another go at it. I'm sure everyone appreciates it. What about Czech Mango? How's that going? Oh, that one, that one is slow. <laughs> That's a slow burner. Um, so Czech Mango is a full-stack A-B testing platform. And in my old job, I was a software development manager for a, an OTA, an online travel agency. And we launched like, the ability to book hotels or uh, holidays online, so a package holiday, so hotel and, and flight. So we launched this this like big, big new feature. It, it had been such a hard task to get to that point. Um, we launched it and we're like, yeah, we're going to be millionaires <laughs> overnight. This is what people want. <laughs> I like, no yep. bookings. So we're like frantically making changes, still no bookings. We're get, uh, getting a lot of uh, interaction and engagement, but nothing converting. So we started trying out A-B testing and we looked at Optimizely, which is an incredible platform, but it's also incredibly expensive. And by the time I was able to get sign-off for the large sum required to be able to use it, the prices had gone up. So we kind of ditched that. And then we were using Google Optimize, but we were also making back-end changes. So there was a lot of like flags being set on the front end that got passed to request in the back-end. Um, and we were able to make bookings eventually, like we, we did start getting conversions. But I kind of had this thought in the back of my mind that there has to be an A-B testing platform, full stack A-B testing platform, because you do want to do things on the back end as well as the front end uh, that doesn't cost the earth. Because smaller companies, mid-sized companies and agencies, they still have a lot of benefit to, to pull out of A-B testing. And yeah, if, if it's going to cost 100 grand, like, that's just not reasonable. Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of, I waited and I kept looking. And there are platforms out there, but none that felt like the developer experience of Optimizely, but in the price point of something a lot more reasonable. And then one Christmas, um, I think it was 2020 maybe, I just started hacking on it got something out and i've kind of been working on it very slowly ever since um it has officially launched but uh with a platform like that you need a lot of sdks there's a lot of work to kind of do there yeah because it because it's agnostic right you you could put it into react python javascript on the front end the back end but there has to be different ways of handling all that so yeah it's a bit of a slow burner i do have a couple of customers which is nice very much in the red if I was to account for my time and the cost, but I enjoy it. I think there's um, an untapped market there. Yeah. And also that uh, Chet Mango runs on Vapor. Yeah. Hey. I am a, I, I am a fa- Forge fanboy, but Chet Mango is a perfect use <laughs> of uh, Vapor. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Why? Well, that kind of speaks to me with what I'm doing with Recruit Kit. So, Recruit Kit, like I mentioned before, it's meant to help recruitment agencies really is who it's targeted at onboard people quickly and efficiently and i've got one customer for it and it's been running for two and a half years now uh, and i'm trying to get the word out and man it's hard you know like 
doing all of this stuff, running these businesses and then, yeah, everything else going on. And, you know, life's, life's busy. It's hard. It's really hard doing yeah. all this. And I'm solo founder. Um, so I'm fortunate to have Chris working with me. Um, but, yeah, I'm a solo founder across both of these businesses. So, yeah. Yeah, I can totally empathize with that. Slow burn is exactly the word that I would use. I feel that. I was always told, um, so I, I kind of solo founded uh, Chet Mango, although my wife is supposed to be doing marketing, but uh, she's busy full-time parenting, uh, which is yeah. far harder than mm-hmm. solo founding. But um, yeah, it's it, recovery. She'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was always told that uh, getting once you've got one customer, like that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is to get your first customer. And once you've got one, that means you can get five and that means you can get 10. Um, in my experience, that's not true. <laughs> I feel like once you've got one, it's even harder to get the next. I also, like, Chet Mango is quite a niche product in a way. Like, the, the integration story isn't like Google Optimize. It does require developer experience, but that is also the market that I'm targeting. It's kind of developers like me five years ago that were in that position that was looking for this kind of solution. But I, I think unless you've got a lot of time to spend on it, it's or or you just quit everything and try and go like rum and profitable, then yeah. It's it's hard to get time to do things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like marketing, design, development, support. Um yeah. Yep. Same boat. <laughs> that really <laughs> resonates very um, Greg, have you ever done any, any side projects of your own? Um, have you always been a company man? Uh, I've, I've done side projects that have never seen the light of day. And sometimes, I mean, oddly enough, the last attempt at a side project that I had, um, was something in the AB testing space as well. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'll leave, I'll leave that with, um, to James. Uh, it'd be no competition. James is far more talented than I am. Uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've, um, I've, I've mostly been a, been a company man most of my career. I've done a lot of things in the development space. I I've kind of a bit, a bit of a journeyman. So, uh, started around doing application support and then kind of invented an application support developer role out of that by you know, building tooling for application support. And then going from there, I've done things with automated QA. Um, very early in my career, it was probably my first exposure to, um, to testing in anger. I'm also sort of of the age where everybody had a web development startup at some point when they were just coming out of school. Um, sure. cause that was a really great idea to, to push, to go and work for, um, friends of the family for next to no money and effectively signing yourself up for years of indentured servitude. So, so I did that for a long while. Um, uh, sort of the more, I guess the back half of my career, though, sort of the last 10 to 15 years, I've been in the startup and scale up space. Prior to YC Cloud, I worked for a startup in the not for profit space, which is really interesting and had a lot of stuff around, uh, dealing with credit cards and billing and so on. So it was like donation portal style work and a CRM that was specifically designed to deal with that, um, that, that, that sector. Which is really inter- interesting, but un- un- you know, unfortunately, didn't end up going anywhere. Yeah, and then I've um, spent a lot of time uh, with Isaac Cloud. I've been there for I think seven years now. Uh, joined them uh, when they had 
a couple of developers. It was just me and another guy for a long time. And yeah, it's, it's been a long time at that company, but I think I've seen maybe three different versions of Isaac Plant in the time that I've been there. So right. we sort of inherited a code base, which was the initial move from an agency built solution to Laravel. Um, and then the sort of maintenance and version two of that. And then these days we're now sort of, I guess on version three where we have, you know, 30 plus Laravel applications running in a big service constellation. Ah, you're all in on multi-service. Ah, microservice. Brother. Yeah. I mean, we don't, with Laravel Ford, right? <laughs> no, it's, we're, we're, we're hundred percent vapor, man. If you can't run on vapor, we're, we're not interested. Um, but we, so I'll, 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 I'll caveat that a little bit. So the, the, the business that, that, that I mean, we're Australia's largest online construction marketplace. So people who are looking for construction services, so heavy plant equipment or people to do some surveying on a job site or, you know, land clearing, those kinds of things come to us. They search our portal to, um, to find companies that can help them out. Uh, and then we, we act as an intermediary to connect those people. And we do some really cool things with some telephony technology and, and that kind of stuff. And. Is a freemium model, so you can sort of advertise for free, and then you can pay to get you know, boosts in the advertising and access to more and better leads and that, that kind of thing. But the, the nature of that is that the majority of the the, the the load on the platform happens between nine and five when people are working. So um, for us, um, Lambda is just such a great fit because we like another one of the challenges we have is a very very large site. So um, I think we have four hundred canonical locations that we. No more than the 1,600 canonical locations and 400 sort of machine and service keywords that we target. So there's at least that many pages. Uh, multiply those two together to get at least that many pages, and then a whole bunch of ancillary things around the outside. And SEO is a huge, a huge part of how uh, how people find us. So we would periodically get these crawl events from Google, and I don't think that happens quite so much these days. When I look at the logs, Google's kind of just constantly on the site rather than just visiting it every three weeks. Um, but because of that, we had to provision a lot of servers to deal with the fact that you know, Google would come in, hit our site and go, you're too slow, I'm not crawling you anymore because you just didn't have enough compute. So I think at that peak, we were running like uh, four um, Excel servers that 99% of the time were basically idle, just waiting for a Googlebot to come in. So the great thing about something like Vapor uh, and, and Lambda in general is that, yeah, the cost per hour is like technically higher, but you, you're paying at the sort of second. So... Um, we only pay for what we use. So that, it was it was largely a cost control rather than a scale thing for us. Although we've then been able to leverage it to do some really, really cool things with um, particularly notifications and messaging. So one of our services is a is a notification service. And this is kind of a little bit different, I guess, microservices where people have um, these tiny little pieces. Our, our services are not micro. They are monolithic in, in, in their own right. They just deal with one portion of the domain. So we, we have a service that is the website. And we have a service that is the supplier portal. And the supplier portal is a Laravel application with a front end and APIs and all that all baked into one application. And I think if you took a pure microservices approach, that'd probably be about 15 different things. Yeah. So they're services, but they're not very micro. They're just sort of these monolithic. Yeah. And we do it so that there's a boundary around so that people aren't trying to jam communication stuff into um, something to do with companies, for instance. But the notification system is really interesting um, because people can send text messages on their platform and people used to get very cross at text messages coming to them at 11 o'clock at night. So we do things like we batch uh, the messages overnight so that they all get released at like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So we stop sending the messages at 6 p.m. and we start sending them again at nine o'clock in the morning. And, and Vapor enables that because we get a huge burst at nine o'clock every morning that would probably overload 
like a regular few servers, or you'd have to have a lot of workers sort of sitting there. So having that elastic scalability where we can just sort of ramp up to 500 workers instantly, drain all of those cute messages, and then just back on with doing our um, sort of eight hours work is, is really cool. Yeah. Are you doing anything with serverless database? Yeah, we're all in. We are nice. all in serverless. And I'm really, really, I'm really, really excited that AWS just announced um, serverless Elastic, Elastic Age. So, James, if you could just quickly, just, 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 just in the in the Slack, in the internal Slack channel or something for, for Laravel, can you just like see the idea that we get that? I've seen it mentioned. I've seen it mentioned. Oh, here we go. Um, yeah, so we're we're all we're, we're serverless where we can be. Um, and again, it's it's, it's cost control. I mean. Um, the kind of database we would need to deal with peak load would be a pretty scary looking RDS cluster. So I'd rather not, I'd rather not have that given that the, the sort of profile of the load on the side, I'd rather pay a little more at a theoretical hourly rate and then not use the hours. Um, so I'd, you know, just pay for what I use for, then, you know, get a killer rate and be paying it all the time, even when nothing's happening, if that makes sense. So, totally. um, yeah, yeah. If it's serverless, we also like we're we're such a small team, and we don't have. For a long time, we used to call ourselves a no ops team. We weren't going to have any operations at all. That, that's not true anymore. We do have a, an awful lot of Terraform and infrastructure as code now because the, the solutions become so complicated. But I just I just want other people to, to look after my servers. I do not want to be patching things. I don't want. To, I don't want to be paying someone to sit there and patch servers all day and run MySQL updates and all of that kind of stuff. And the 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 risk if you don't do that is you know potentially catastrophic so um yeah uh, i love the serverless model because i don't have to worry about any of that stuff that's an aws problem not a great problem which is great i like that yeah i, I agree that's the way that we generally prefer to run our projects as well recruit kit is all entirely serverless based both uh vapor and then database as well and um, we've started using serverless v2 uh, Aurora for a client project that we've just finished under Atlas. And that's been amazing to be able to schedule business hours, okay, scale up the servers and then well, scale up the database rather and then scale it back down out of business hours. It's awesome. It's really cool. I'll uh, occasionally I'll go into the project, have a look at the like the dashboards for it. To see them rising and falling, rising, falling, you know, over the course of the week. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And serverless V2 can scale really quickly. Like the speed that that thing can scale up and down in response to load is, so we use, we use serverless one for a long time and, and that was, that was cool. That's a cool bit of technology. Um, but it would still take a while for it to, to respond to a spike in load. So you'd, you'd always be slightly over provisioned, um, with serverless V2, you can, you can provision for what you need and it will burst very quickly. The other thing that's quite cool about it, and unfortunately you have to go very off recipe and stop using um, Vapor to manage your database to pull it off, but you can come up with some very, very interesting um, cluster designs using um, serverless V2. So you can have like your primary, you know, writer node as a purchased reserved instance, physical RDS server that you're getting the, the, the killerest rate you possibly can. And then you can use serverless v2 as your sort of burst capacity. Um, oh. You can do. We do things like we do things like fail, automatic fail. We're not doing that, but we are doing automatic failover. So, which I don't think is configurable by default in Vapor. I'm, I might be wrong there, but we have. So we do read write splitting. So Laravel has the ability in the database configuration to do read write splits, and we automatically fail over if one of them goes down. So I don't think that was possible in serverless v1. 
The other thing that's cool is that the serverless v2 is like full on MySQL. So you're getting um, bin logs. So we, we, we push bin logs into a data lake so that we can have like data analysis happening um, at scale on S3 uh, without impacting, without having to run massive analytic queries on the production database. And uh, again, that wasn't possible in serverless v1. So yeah, serverless v2 is a really, a, a really neat thing. That's cool. That's way above my pay grade. Uh, I know some of those words. <laughs> This is why I don't work on Facebook. You just got to say it with confidence, mate. Just, just, <laughs> just say them with confidence, and then people will believe you. In a, in a meeting, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's the bin log. It's on S three. Yeah, we're good. No worries. <laughs> so, I just want to touch on uh, Laricon. So, obviously, uh, James, uh, you came to Laricon Australia. You're also speaking at Laricon India. Is that right? Yes, and EU as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. It's a busy year. How are you feeling about that? All the travel? I'm loving it. I, um, I, I genuinely thought that this year was going to be kind of the year that I, I get to do all of this and then it would just die off next year. But I've been incredibly fortunate that I've been invited back to India. I've been invited to speak at EU this time, uh, and PHP UK, which is huge. Uh, so I am riding this wave while it's, Still going, absolutely. Good on you. Yeah, I hope it doesn't uh doesn't wear you out with all the the travel. Yeah, we'll see. My, my wife goes back to work next year, uh, so this could be so twenty twenty four could be my last speaking year. But we're gonna try and make it work. If I get uh accepted to speak somewhere, then we'll try and make it work. Well, I I applied to speak at Laricon Australia, um, and I like I ummed and ahed about it and. You know, I was a bit nervous to to apply, to start putting myself out there. I knew I could come up with something that would be compelling. Like I backed myself with that, but I was a bit shy, I guess, about putting myself out there finally. So that's sort of what yeah. this podcast is, um, is, you know, trying to get out there. Anyway, and um, I submitted a talk about uh, webhooks, which I'm still confident is like a really interesting topic. I find them very interesting um, and it's something that we built into recruit kit very early on way before we had any sort of need for webhooks but i was like this is just i really like it i love <laughs> one system talking to another and having a schema and yeah i don't know it's totally my thing there's a lot that goes into webhooks yeah there is yeah there is and versioning of them and ah, oh, man i had like all your logging and everything and yeah i could talk about that for a while uh but yeah. that's that's okay but anyway, I wasn't selected. And so that was a bit of a driver of like, right, I'm getting on this. I want to speak next year. I'll show you, Michael. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> it's funny. I was, li- we're in a uh, Slack group, the PHP Australia Slack group. And he was in, there's a channel for Laricon. And he was trying to figure out like, uh, he, he put in the chat a bunch of the, uh, there were like, two slots or something like that left for talks. And he put through in the chat, I think maybe four or five of the ones that he was considering and webhooks was in there. Uh, but I was like, oh, you got to do webhooks. Like, let's go with webhooks. And I was trying to like, I was talking with some of the, some of the other people that I know in there, like, you know, uh, tell them that you want the webhooks talk. And anyway, he ended up not going with the webhook. I know which talk got selected. I won't mention it. 
they did a really good job. Uh, so they, Michael made a great choice uh, with the talk that he ultimately decided. But I was like one slot behind that. I was in the top three and he had two slots left. So oh, just missed out, close. but that's okay. Maybe next time. Just to, uh, just to go back to what you said about um, maybe being a bit shy and stuff. I, I think that's like definitely a point that we need to discuss a bit further because sure. I hear that so often. And uh, I only started giving like conference level talks this year. I started with uh, Laracon India, which had over a thousand people. Yeah, you kicked it off with a bang. <laughs> yeah, right. Go back or go home. <laughs> but I have to say, like, it's it is hard uh, putting yourself out there and and kind of opening yourself up to, like, I guess everyone's worst fear is to be hated because you have an opinion that doesn't match what somebody else's is. But I have to say that's not been my experience and certainly not been a, a, anything that anyone's ever said when, when I've been speaking to other speakers. And something somebody said to me was that everyone out there, everyone that's come to this conference is here to support you and everybody else on stage. Nobody's coming, nobody's buying a ticket just to be sat in, in the audience booing anyone. Um, yeah. And if that did happen, I know that Every every other person would kick that person out. Like it, it, it would not be acceptable. And like just from a speaker perspective, every group of speakers that I've been around have been incredibly supportive of one another. Like in Australia, I was fretting that uh, Michael has flown me halfway across the world. I really need to do a good job of it. And I was like um, pacing backstage while Nina was speaking. And Patima was like uh, one of the other speakers. She, she was like, you know, show me a power pose. Let's let's like hyping yeah. me up, be ready, uh, making sure I got some water. And yeah, a- everyone is so supportive of one another that even like no matter how nervous you are, you will go out on stage and kill it because you've had such a supportive group of people behind you the entire way. And yeah, it, it is hard. And personally, I don't think it gets any easier, but it. But it is a hell of a lot of fun <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, you know, I, I um, yeah, I mean, I, I care like a hundred percent of that. I, I submitted it was what my sort of submission story was kind of funny. Um, the, the the CFP came up and I was at a swimming lesson with my kids uh, when it sort of came through, and I just started filling the form. And I think I might, I might have submitted two or three sort of concepts for talks that didn't have anything prepped um, previously, and. I thought a couple of them had a chance of getting up, and the one that Michael picked was probably the one that I was the had the most sort of confidence that I could do, but I thought was going to be the least likely one because my talk was sort of more team and business focused, and um, I, I'm, I'm not one of these like coding psychos who just want to make their lives really really difficult by programming on stage. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's the type that I like the most. I want to do that too. Oh, no, I, I couldn't do it. I, I just could not do it. So that was, that's... On that point, I've, I've, I've given this, uh, the talk that I have uh, did in Australia, I, I kind of was my talk of the year sort of thing. And uh, every time something's gone wrong with it, and every time I go back and my wife's like, how did it go? And I was like, well, it went, it went wrong like slightly, but I recovered. And she's like, well, why do you keep doing it? I'm like, because it's like the hardest type of thing you can do on stage is the live code. And when I went out like to Australia, I, like my uh, clicker wasn't working. I've got I had like a bit of a 
thing at the start where I was pacing the stage and kind of giving crap to Australians about Vegemite. My clicker didn't work, so I pulled the receiver out of my laptop and my hand was shaking so much that I couldn't get the USB-C like, port back in. And I was thinking to myself, like, oh, God, how am I going to now type when my hands won't stay still? Like, I can't even put a, the USB thing back in. How am I going to do it? And again, she yeah. was like, well, why are you still doing it? I'm like, because it's awesome. <laughs> so <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> I think for, for me, the biggest takeaway was, like, I was nervous about a lot of things. I, I got way in my own head about it. It turns out that was a stupid thing to do because, you know, you know your topic and like like what James says, everyone's there to support you. But um, part of it for me was there were some really big names in our community there. And I'm just a guy from Brisbane that probably no one's heard about. Um, and it was really funny. I'm, I'm sort of backstage with with James and, you know, and I, I know Jess because she's sort of in, in the Brisbane uh, Laravel community. But I'd never met Daniel, I'd never met James, I'd never met, um, you know, and it was just like meeting up with old mates. Like it was really, like it was really, really good. I mean, I think James and I spent a fair chunk of the, the After Dark just, just chatting like about stuff. It wasn't even necessarily Laravel stuff. It was just like, you know, having a beer with mates, which was, which was really awesome. And I think for me, that was a massive takeaway. I had a, the morning that I, that I traveled to, uh, to Sydney, I, uh, I woke up early, my wife got up to have a coffee with me and. I was really nervous just getting into the cab. Um, and she's like, why are you doing this? Like, you knew this was going to happen. You did this to yourself. <laughs> like, why on earth are you doing it? And I, that question was sort of running through my head the whole time. And then it was running through my head even while I was on stage. Why are you doing this? And then I got off stage and realized why I did it. Because the, there's this huge rush, this massive release of adrenaline at the end. Like, you feel really, for me, I don't know about you, James, but for me, I just was completely exhausted. I had to go back to the hotel. Yeah. I missed um, Daniel's talk. I had to go back to the hotel and crash because like, this three days of just pent up energy just leading them. that feeling um i don't think i've ever had anything anything quite like it so yeah i get it now i don't know why to do it i, I remember you saying that your shoulders have been so tight and then after the after you came off stage you're like ah it feels so much better like your shoulders just like yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah it's, it's um yeah yeah i think i ended up with like some back pain because i've been so tense for so but it was for me, at least, it was that it was that feeling, and then and then at the after dark, just having people who because one of the difficulties when you're speaking in front of a large group, or even a small group of people, right, is you're not getting immediate feedback. The, the, the feedback, some you get a bit of maybe you get an applause or a laugh or a joke or something, but you're not sort of like people aren't necessarily like, giving you feedback about how well you've done. And I had a whole bunch of people just who I'd never met just come up to me and and tell me that they that they they really like, dug what I had to say, and um, and that was that was that was really cool. So. Yeah, you never get to experience it if you don't put yourself out there. So I reckon, yeah, um, yeah, more people get out there, right? Keep, yeah, just keep submitting. You can always, if you if you get accepted into something and you can't end up doing it because it's a long travel or it doesn't work with your timing, then you can always not accept the invite. But um, yeah, I, I for one will be like tipping a talk into as many CFPs as I possibly can. Um, yeah, just yeah. Also, like ev everyone had to start somewhere, right? There was. Um, Big, big names out there that have, um, make it look easy and they're seasoned and they've been doing it for years, but they still had their first time when they submitted and they were deciding whether or not it was a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because, cause I've, I've had, um, uh, had, I've had Jess speak at the Brisbane Laravel meetup and Jess is like ridiculous on stage. She's an absolute vim wizard. Like I don't, yeah. And. And, and I remember thinking to myself like a week, a week before Laracorn, 
Um, at least I won't have to share the stage with Jess. At least I'm not going to have to do that. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she she's uh, very, very, very good. I don't know how her fingers just like carries on going so fast. Like I couldn't even type my name at one point. <laughs> the, the answer I think is Bim, but I still don't understand. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> Um, so James, you also you organise PHP Stoke, is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So what's that like? How long you been doing that? How many people? Uh, so that started in January. Uh, I co-organised it with uh, some friends of mine that run a Magento agency. Um, we started it in January and we've run it four times, I think, three or four times. It's, it's supposed to be a quarterly event, but it turns out, as I always know, I'm terrible at maths and can't ever remember. How to divide by four and do like a rolling, um, rolling it's a big thing, number. But, uh, look, yeah, you know. it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get we get between fifty to sixty people uh, each time, which, if I'm honest, is fifty to sixty more than I ever thought there would be. Yeah, it. We've been incredibly lucky with getting some great talks, and people have travel. So Stoke, because um, you. <laughs> You won't know this. Uh, Stoke or Stoke on Trent is uh, 30 minutes south of Manchester. We're not like a major city by any means, but we've had people travel from big cities, Liverpool, Manchester, and beyond to, to attend, which just is crazy to me because there are other meetups out there, but they're, they're coming all the way here. And it, it's not like they can grab a train and just come on down. Like it, we are sort of isolated a bit. And yeah, that, that's been very interesting doing that actually like uh getting sponsorship it's a completely free event um and we put on like pizza drinks and beers and stuff and we uh we have a very nice venue here but yeah trying to like get sponsorship so that we can keep the event free i mean we again we've been really lucky companies have have been asking us if they can sponsor we've got like a backlog of sponsors to go through um we get uh people submitting talks every time yeah it's been it's been a journey, but it has also given me insights into, okay, well, this is a meetup of like 60 people. How on mm-hmm. earth do you get people to fly across the world and cover their expenses and stuff like that? It, we do one event every now and then with a few people. Conferences Another order of magnitude level. or two. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I said to Michael Dorinda for Laricon AU, like, I've got no idea how he does this. And then I was speaking with... Sam, his uh, his boss or his manager, I think, of, yeah, like, okay, what does he slow down a bit, you know, in the lead up to this or whatever? And Sam had, you know, obviously nothing but positive things to say that he's just like, he's able to do all of this stuff and it's crazy. He's doing the Laravel News podcast and the North Meet South and everything. I'm like, How do you do all of this? And then you look at the scale of Laracon AU versus US and EU and India, and they're all like two or three or four times as many. And it's like, how the heck are these people running these things? I know. It, it's another level. Props to you for doing 50, 60 people. <laughs> but yeah, it's just insane. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I did the Brisbane Laravel meetup and, and 25 to 30 people is, there's a lot of moving parts to get that to happen. You've got a venue, you've got to you know, deal with sponsors, get catering sorted out. Um, finding speakers is really hard. I imagine finding speakers for conferences is probably a little bit easier, um, given that there's, you know, a lot of opportunity to be recognized, but 
the sheer scale of some of these things. And you know, I, I know I know Michael had has a really good support structure there with you know, really supportive like bosses and a supportive family and um, and friends that that I think help him help out with some of it. But you know, he what he was basically Mister Laracon. I think like he was. He really um, was. Yeah. He we had a um, Greg mentioned we have a Telegram group. And Michael was incredibly responsive to every question and just getting stuff sorted and keeping us updated, right? This is what we're doing. This is where we're going for the speaker meal. Choose your menu. Uh, what, what music do you want to walk on stage to? And like everything was so meticulously planned by Michael. And like, I would think I would be spending all my time just running around chasing after every speaker, but he just, he always seemed to have time for you if you needed anything from yeah. him even when he was running around backstage trying to get stuff sorted he'd still make time to like answer your question and like then carry on doing what he's doing like nothing was too much effort and it just blows my mind how yeah, with, 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 with a wink and a smile too like yeah. the guy was just he was <laughs> yeah. just like completely unflappable and there, there were things that were happening like there's always things of something that big that sort of don't go according to plan like that the larucon app was sort of Famously abused as some people, mm-hmm. um, and it just rolled, just rolled with punches. I mean, we, we had you know people right like there's, there was a whole bunch of flight things going on with people even just coming into state, and I had my flight delayed, and by the time I landed in Sydney, he'd already organised an Uber for me and so on. I'm like, don't you have a conference to organise? Like, why are you worried about getting me to the hotel? Like, seriously, um, yeah, he he made that experience like feel so special. Like, made made us well, made me at least. I, made the speakers feel like rock stars it was yeah definitely it was awesome well yeah you're making me very jealous (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) apply next year the cfp for india i will i will as soon as i open up (laughs) i'll do my best see how i go cool guys Uh, i think that that covers everything that i had so is there anything else that you guys wanted to go through um anything interesting to share did Uh, we start the marmite conversation you know what? I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, Marmite rocks better than Vegemite, and then just like leave the call. <laughs> but I, <laughs> baller, drop the mic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. Should we talk about the supercut though? The Marmite supercut, James? Or is that the yeah? Go on then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, so, uh, for our uh, introduction, kind of like the social side of things before the event, uh, Michael had asked us to record a small, like, ten-second video. Um, introducing ourselves in our talk and I think I did like 40 versions of mine jeez but I, I don't know if you've seen it but uh, I sit there eating uh, Marmite from the spoon which look I love Marmite okay but when, when you've had 40 mouthfuls of it um, yeah it starts to <laughs> starts to lose its uh, specialness but in it, I basically go, mm. <laughs> and then uh, was it you, Greg, that asked for the supercut of all of the mm's from uh, yeah, every that, tape? Yeah, yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> so I, I basically you were a pretty good sport up. about that. You could have told me to get stuff, but you 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 were a very good sport with that. So yeah, I will. Uh, I'll have to put that on uh, Twitter. I think because I mean it's quite funny, a bit weird actually. Looking back, Jamaica, mm, 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 mm. Mm. over and over again yeah, how many different ways you, how many different ways you can say mm, was kind of uh <laughs> well, the then, camera angle changes halfway through it too which is just like 
yeah, I, re- I had to. So basically, uh, I got it right. I, I finally got there. I was happy with my take. I sent it to Manka. I was like, yeah, dude, it, it's too long. Can you do it again? So I then, I was like, oh, come on. But I did another 20 the next day trying to get the next take. There was only 10 seconds. Yeah, but I, I really liked how everything was framed and set up and whatever from the day before. So I had to go recreate it as, as best I can, but the light was changed and stuff. So, I mean, I love Marmite, but for that those couple of days, I was like, I want to see this again. <laughs> Is it salty, sort of like Vegemite? Because I haven't had it. Oh, uh, well... I'm going to send you some then. Yeah, well, I no, didn't. It, I wasn't is, lucky enough. You didn't. Uh, you didn't pick me out of the crowd or whatever. You did. It's probably for the best though, actually, because uh, so I, I gave some marmites away during my talk, like an absolute legend. And uh, the guy that won it was sat right on the front row, which was lucky because I was prepared to throw a, a jar, a glass jar of marmite into the crowd. Which probably wouldn't have gone down very well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it is a bit saltier uh, and tastier. I can imagine that that would have been pretty hard. Forty. You would have gone through your jar pretty quick then. Yeah. Quite, yeah. It was a full jar, brand new, and then I was about halfway through. <laughs> I mean, what I should have done in hindsight was just pretend, but uh, I felt like that wouldn't be true to commitment. Mate. You've got to. You've got to commit. You've yeah. got to commit to your art. If there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I, I, I'm all or nothing. Absolutely. Well, yeah, do share that video and I'll, uh, I'll add it to the show notes. Um, nice. Cool. All right, guys, where can people find you online? Um, I am Brooks UK, uh, J-B-R-O-O-K-S UK, um, like on Twitter, uh, GitHub, that kind of thing, or james.brooks.page if you want my website. Fancy. And uh, Greg, yeah, I'm I'm Greg Skirman on so G R E G S K E R M A N, and the same on LinkedIn, but with an underscore between my first and last name. Oh, I'll, I'll get them over to you. you can throw them in the notes. Awesome, sounds good. And I'm Mitch Dev uh, on Twitter and on LinkedIn as well. We'll have all of it in the show notes, uh, links to anything that we talked about as well today, guys. I want to say a huge thanks to both of you for joining me. Uh, on this first episode of the hallway track podcast also want to thank everyone for listening sharing the show if you can rate the show five stars in your podcatcher of choice that'd be great and adding reviews it all helps thanks so much guys catch you later thank you Mitchell. thank you see you later so uh guys can you please say hello and introduce yourself uh james Hi, I'm James Brooks, software engineer at Laravel and uh, all-round funny guy, I guess. <laughs> yep, no, no ego your, there. No, 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 no. We're starting that again. That was an awkward silence. <laughs> I was waiting to get queued up. We'll, no, we'll we're blame not it on. That. Mitchell, we're not doing that. That's not... <laughs> all right. Look, no worries. That's fine. We'll go again. Uh, all good. I ju- I'm just going to say software engineer at Laravel and be done. <laughs> That's it. No worries. Um, Cool. All right. We go again.